If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. You are leaving us here in about a week, and you're going to go away for a while, and you're going to take a group over to Israel, right? Yes. And uh, do some uh, some learning and uh, some walking <laughs> and seeing things, and I'm a little jealous. Yeah, we're leaving uh, in just about a week on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, Israel. Yep something that we've been advertising here on the podcast for a while. And some of our listeners uh, hope that you'll join me on a trip in the future, but we're going to the Holy Land for 10 days. But it's a pilgrimage, right? Yes. So that's different. That's a, that's a thing. Of course I know about pilgrimages, but my image of pilgrimages is like, People pushing a peanut with their nose up the up the side of a mountain to uh, you know what I mean some kind of uh, no I don't actually uh, you you have to suffer on a pilgrimage oh, is what I'm is right, what I'm right, saying right, you have yeah. to you know it, it's okay. uh, yeah, it's it. sort of like uh, Dante's Purgatory right, it, uh, right. okay and I've just given it away what's my idea of having to do of suffering <laughs> pushing a peanut with my nose <laughs> now I know yeah, yeah. here uh, in Protestant world right um, we. We don't do pilgrimages, okay? No, you go on we, Bible trips. We go on Bible trips. We go mission on tri- trips. And it strikes me that these are just really mostly informational. Not that people aren't moved, but when I have talked to my friends who have gone and done this, and I've, lots of people I know have gone and done this kind of thing, and they'll come back and say, well, it was amazing. I learned this, and I learned that, and I learned this, and I learned that. And then they'll almost sort of apologetically say, you know, I was, it was really moving. You know, I was right where right. Jesus was. Uh, but I, what I learned was, and then right. and they're, they're off of it, right? Because uh, it's almost like, you know, like they're not, they're not supposed to be moved or they're not supposed, right. this is not supposed to influence them in that way. Uh, and that how, that's how it has looked to me from the outside right. and being a Protestant and, and uh, thinking that this is all, the important stuff is all the information right. and what's in my head. I'm a little shy about, and then after having been involved in the charismatic church for a long time, right. I'm really shy about doing something because I feel like I should, or it feels like I'm right. going over there. Like, I don't know, this all looks, you know, uh, I, I don't need to be, I don't need to prove how penitent I am. Right. I don't need to, um, it smells like works again. Here right. I am showing my Protestant roots, right? To go there and show my devotion. Right. And I could spend my vacation uh, lying on a beach, but instead I'm, uh, I'm, right. you know, whatever. Right. And, and so there, there, there's a big difference there. And I would right. like to know more about pilgrimages yep. and why would I want, what do you, what happens when you take one and why should I, why would I take a pilgrimage? Right. You know? So let me start uh, maybe backwards on this deal and start, ta- uh, start by talking about what you're alluding to the sort of Protestant understanding of t- taking a Bible history trip or whatever it is, you know, going to Israel. 
you know, I obviously lived in that world for 30 years or right. whatever, 25, 30 years. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, led and taught and, you know, wrote and all those things for all these kinds of things. So I, I know that world inside and out. And you're right. There's a sense in which obviously Protestants probably go to Israel more than Catholics. So at any Protestant friends that are listening to this go, oh, you know, it's not, you know, we do Israel big time. Like, I know, right. pro, I know more Protestants that go to Israel, have gone to Israel, go to Israel on a regular basis, have gone to Israel three or four times. They have, I, I have multiple friends that lead, pastor friends that at least once a year lead an Israel trip and have built big ministries around leading Israel trips. So let's concede for a moment that when it comes to doing the Israel trip thing, Protestants, right. Protestants kind of own that yep. piece. But what you allude to is interesting in the set that you say that it's kind of informational. And, and that really, I think, goes to the essence of what the Protestant Reformation was about and what Protestantism sort of morphed into, which is because it's solus, a couple things, first of all, you know, the banner cry of the Protestant Reformation was sola scriptura, right? Yep. Scripture yep. alone. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. So, so when you make the Bible and studying the Bible and knowing the Bible and memorizing the Bible and learning facts about the Bible and immersing yourself in the Bible, when you make that the foundation, and when I say the foundation, that's Sure. That's their words, not mine, because it's yep. sola scriptura. There's nothing other than scripture that's yep. a source of truth. So when that's your only foundation, though, you're built on one pillar, which is the Bible, then where are you going to go? To the right. Bible lands where it all happened. And I think that's really interesting where it all happened. Because in, when I lived in that world, that was how we would have thought of it. And that's how a lot of people go. This is where it all happened. Because there isn't anything else right. <laughs> other than this. These are, this right. is where the, the, uh, the stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament played out. Maybe you go to Turkey because you want to see the paths of Paul, right? You know, Paul went right. to Ephesus and Paul went to here and there. And so you want to go see a couple of those uh, cities that Paul visited and he writes in, about in, in his letters. But beyond that, we've talked many times in the podcast about the, you know, the year zero problem, the perpetual wanting to live in that right. space, and that everything since then is interesting, but the notion of Protestantism is that we're constantly coming just back to that story. So each new generation just comes back to the Bible, back to right. the Bible, back to the Bible, that back to the Bible. So really, your view of the of the Christian world is primarily focused just on Bible stories. Right. So part of it is, is that's the game. And then the other thing is that it's about learning about the Bible, reading the Bible. So th this goes back to how Protestant worship moved away from the sacraments. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this before, right? When you, when you went from Catholicism to Protestantism, you know, What's at the center of the platform at the front of a Catholic church is the altar, you know, where right. the Eucharist is celebrated and the, you know, the ambo or the pulpit where the, where the word is read is to the side of it because yeah. the central 
truth is the word made incarnate. Right. And then the scriptures testify to that. Well, in a Protestant church, that's flipped and inverted, and it's the pulpit with the Bible on it that's at the center, and the communion table is off to the side. Right. And what happened in Protestant worship, other than some singing, is it's dominated by, right, the teaching of the word, teaching the word, teaching the word, Bible studies. I mean, you have to, I have talked about this. This is what we got up and did as Protestants. You got up and do your morning devotions. What are your morning Bible study, Bible right. study, Bible study. And there's a sort of intellectualism that comes yeah. with Protestantism. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about reading and learning and knowing and being taught and listening to sermons and listening to studies and going to Bible right. study fellowship and having drawings and charts and maps right. and immersing yourself in these Bible stories. And so Protestantism is by nature very informational and it's informational about the Bible. Anyone who denies that is just not paying attention, right? right. This is classically Protestantism. It's information about the Bible with the notion that it is the Bible and the word of God that transforms us. So we must study it, learn it, know it, you know, right. blah, 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 blah. Right. So when a Protestant group, or when you say, Hey, we're going to go to Israel, you are there to see and learn. We got to go to that spot and we learned about, you know, this Bible story or, you know, uh, right. that Bible story or where this was or where that was. And we had our little maps and, and while we're there, the pastor who led the trip, you know, gave us lectures. We stood on this hill, we stood right. this thing, and they, he pointed out this and he pointed out that. And we all had our little notebooks and we took pictures right. and we took notes and we came back and now we know more about the Bible. Which means we'll be better Christians. Yeah, because that's our foundation, right? So, so it's very informational and it's information rich. And, and it really, to some degree, is an intellectual pursuit. And to be fair, as you say, that becomes, people have transformational experiences there. Like, right. wow, you know, we stood at this or that spot and it, you know, thought about it. And it, like you say, it moved me right. or I found it very inspirational or I felt really close to God there. But I was primarily there to see and learn more about the Bible, which then, you know, I had some moments of right. seeing and learning right. about, okay? So I think you're right on there. We'll get back to the conversation in just a few moments. But first, I'd like to ask for your support in producing and expanding this podcast. It's produced by a 501c3 nonprofit ministry called One Whirling Adventure, with a mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. Now, the production budget of this podcast isn't big, but it is real. We've set a goal of 40,000 worldwide downloads in 2023, with a crowdfunding goal of $35,000 to make that happen. Would you help us make that happen? If so, please go to consideringcatholicism.com. You can see our GuideStar charity rating there and donate online with a one-time or recurring gift. And if you have a business or organization interested in sponsoring our ministry, please shoot me an email, greg at consideringcatholicism.com. Thank you for listening and considering helping us to help others consider Catholicism. And now, back to the conversation. I think the other kind of trip that Protestants do, there's actually two kinds of things that Protestants do. One is Bible study trips and the other is mission trips 
Right. So right. I'm, I led more, and you know, Protestants have gone on more mission trips and lead more mission trips. But there's two kinds of trips you're allowed to sort of do as a Protestant right. from a religious standpoint. One is to go somewhere to, you know, learn more about the Bible. Right. And the other is to tell people about the Bible. Right. Right. And this is what mission trips are, where we're going to go somewhere. And a lot of times we're going to do some other thing, you know, especially in recent years where you go, well, we're going to go down there and build a well, or we're going to help with right. this and that. But, you know, classically Protestant mission trips are, the mission is to go and spread the word. Right. And I personally have traveled all around the world on mission trips. I've led mission trips. I've been a coordinator of mission trips. I've gone and been a consultant to missions organizations. So. And I, I spent a lot of years of my life doing that. I, I went and uh, taught pastor conferences in countries around the world, in developing countries, and did this and that. So, but it was it. I was there to teach and spread the Bible. Right. You know, I have, you've been over to my house. I have paintings in my house and pieces of art that I've acquired or was gifted yep. on mission trips because I went to a pastor's conference or something like that, or I spoke right. at a church and I did Bible teaching for the day. And they, right. you know, gave me a, be- you know, a nice little painting or a piece of art or something, which, you know, I'm very proud of and hangs in my house. But, but again, it was all about studying and teaching and transmitting the Bible. It's very information rich. Right. And, and I think that goes to the issue of where, how Protestantism sort of understands the faith and, and how, what the purpose of our faith. Faith is based on knowing God's word. And it's deepened on knowing God's word. So the more that we can know about God's word, the deeper our faith will be. And the more people that we can transmit God's word to, then then that will transmit faith. Okay? Yep. Now, as we've said, and I said a minute ago, Catholicism has a more sacramental understanding. And, And let me just take a moment to differentiate this. So, of course, Catholics believe that the word of God is central, but here's a key piece of Catholic doctrine for my Protestant friends. Catholicism, as all Christianity does, puts God's word at the center. But Catholicism understands properly that what God's word really is, is the person of Jesus Christ. So John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then the Word became manifest, and He lived and dwelled among us, right? God's Word is primarily Christ, the, the second person of the Trinity. That is the Logos. That's right. God's Word. Now, God's Word is known to us through a number of ways. First and primarily is His person. Jesus was the living Word incarnate. And then the written word, this, you know, the Bible, right. tells us or testifies to the living word and person of Christ, which is why we look at the Eucharist as central, because in the Eucharist, we believe that we are partaking of the word of God. Mm-hmm. The Bible, Scripture, is, it, it is the written testimony mm-hmm. to that word but it isn't the word right right i see what you're saying yeah the word is the logos the second person of christ the scriptures testify to that that's what the bible says about john the gospel of john says i write these that words to testify right. to the living word 
And so while the Bible is inspired and infallible and all that it attempts to teach and so forth, Catholics believe all of that, uh, obviously w- what it is, is it, it points us to the, to the living word and it points us sacramentally. So when we want to make the word central in our life and our life is based on the word, the Bible in a sense is a means to the end of knowing Christ. The Bible isn't the end. Right. The right. Bible is the means to the end. The end is knowing Christ. So to participate with Christ in the sacraments, in prayer, all of these things become part of partaking or engaging or living into the word of God. Right. And the Bible or scripture is one of the primary ways that we do that. But I engage or partake of the word of God when I take the Eucharist as much as I do when I sit in a Bible study. And I would actually, as a Catholic, argue that in some ways I partake of the word of God more Mm -hmm. primarily when I take the Eucharist than when I sit in a Bible study. Yeah. Okay? Yep. So I'm working my way to the pilgrimage thing, right? You maybe see where I'm going here. And that is that the notion of a pilgrimage is a spiritual journey. Right. So, you know, we talk about, and that's a biblical notion. Book of Hebrews is all about the pilgrim journey on earth by Hebrews 11, by, you know, faith is, you know, the assurance of things unseen. Right. Right. And by faith, it goes through the roll call of the faithful by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith this, by faith that they were on a journey. And he ends that chapter by saying, all of these were journeying through this world, searching for a better country. And that we live, in a sense, on a pilgrim journey. You know, you, when you pray the rosary in the Hail Holy Queen, right? We, we are in a veil of tears, right? right? We're in a valley of tears. We move through this world on a pilgrim journey towards uh, where God wants us to be, right? I mean, we've talked right. about this before, right. heaven and, you know, the sure. new, new, new heaven and earth and all that. But to see our life as a pilgrim journey. So part of it is, is that the idea of, of pilgrimage is to carve out a space and a time in our life to deliberately sort of engage in this pilgrim journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have a pilgrimage is to, during those days, whether it's one day or 10 days or two weeks or however long that pilgrimage is, to be seeking and engaging with God in a very active way and hoping that through that it will be, tra- or asking for that to be transformational in us. Mm-hmm. So when we go to the Holy Land here in a few days, we're not, we're going to learn about all those places. We're going to go to all of those spots and there's going to be, you know, lectures and photos right. and maps and all of that. But the primary purpose isn't to learn. The primary purpose is to be transformed and to meet God there, you know, so we'll have mass every morning. We'll take the Eucharist. There's, we're going to be engaging in prayer. And going to those places is the means to the end of spiritual transformation or growth. Yep. Spiritual transformation and growth is not something that we do so we can know the Bible better. We go to these places because the process, the journey itself, waking up every day, uh, doing morning prayer, having mass, yep. uh, traveling together. <laughs> I almost said sleeping together. I don't mean that, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, staying in a hotel, yeah. you know, the, the hostel together, doing these things. What we're actually doing is, is living this kind of journey as pilgrims together for 10 days. Yep. 
with the goal and expectation that God will create transformation in our life. And now someone would say, well, why can't I just have transformation sitting at home? Well, you can. But we are, once again, Catholicism stresses the physicality and the material life in yeah. Christ. That's why we kneel in church and we have gestures and we have sacraments. Right. Because leaving this place where you are and spending 10 days, you're not, you're thinking about rolling a peanut up a hill, but being out of your comfort zone, right. not sleeping in your own bed, having communal meals together. It would be not in the spirit of pilgrimage to sit and say, hey, you know, I'm going to go you know, order room service to my room and not sit right. and have breakfast and dinner with my fellow pilgrims, right. to have prayer with my fellow pilgrims. Together, we're engaging in this, in this activity together. And when I've led pilgrimages before and been on pilgrimages, it's always fascinating. One of the things we always do on the last day is talk together as we finish the last day and, and often as we're in the airport uh, waiting for the flight home about what God did in our lives. And, and a lot of times we begin with an expectation. Each of us goes, here's the thing that I'm trying to, that I'm hoping that God will do in my life over these 10 days. Right. I, I remember a couple of pilgrimages that I've been on that were really transformational like that, where I went and I was, I had something that I was wrestling with God about, um, something I was trying to figure out or learn or grow through. Right. And with the expectation that on this trip, where I'm away from my familiar surroundings, I'm with people and I'm being put into places of, of spiritual significance, you know, physical locations and that are, that are religiously significant or whatever, that, that God is going to do something, that through this experience, I'm going to break through on these things. And that's always happened for me, you know. So on this pilgrimage, I have in my own mind, uh, in my own prayer life, some I don't know, specific agenda, some things that I hope that God will right. help, will do in me and help me do in myself while I'm on this trip. So that's, that's that. And because the Catholics aren't limited, our understanding of the church and our understanding of the kingdom of God is not limited to merely the Bible, but because we believe that the living word of Christ is the head of a living church, which is his body, right? that all the things that have happened since the end of the New Testament are significant because the word of God, the living Christ, has built a church and has given us all the things that the church has done, the saints and all of these. So, 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 you know, I lead a pilgrimage to Italy and we go to, when I've done that, when we go to Rome and we go to the tombs of Peter and Paul and, you know, we go to the places of the saints, we go to the, you know, place where significant spiritual things have happened to this day, beg me to take them to Europe because they want to go see, choose my words carefully. I have one particular friend who says, um, four or five of us, these are former Protestant colleagues of mine. And, and they're like, if you would organize a trip to Italy where we could go and you could do like history, teach us history stuff about church history, we would love to do that. But we don't want to see, do all this stuff about Mary and Catholicism. Like we want a church history trip and can you like kind of avoid all the Mary <laughs> stuff? And I'm like, 
Um, and a couple of times they've offered to pay for it. They're like, hey, we'll, we'll pay your ticket, you know, come with right. us for 10 days and give us church history lectures. Um, we want to hear about, you know, the Roman empire and we want to hear about, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, uh, and I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, right. Because I, I can't go lead them on this trip and make it just a, some kind of a history lecture. Right. I mean, I could, but the notion of a pilgrimage is when we go to Rome or other places that I've led trips, you know, right. go to France, go to here, go to Spain. When we go on this, the, the, the goal of going to these places, it's interesting to go to those sites and look at the architecture and the art. Right. I can show you where Paul, the location where with a fairly high probability where Paul was beheaded right outside mm-hmm. one of the gates of the city of Rome and, and his body was transported about a mile away and buried at, you know, the Basilica, what is now the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls. I can go to the Keiki to the catacombs. I can show you these things and we can look at them from a historical standpoint, but really the point of going to Paul's tomb or the catacombs or this or that, or looking at the, you know, the beautiful art and the cathedrals and all these things is to encounter the work and the life of, of the church, which is the living body of Christ. And to be in those places with the hope and the expectation that that journey will be transformational in us. Right. So that's, that's really why a pilgrimage is different than just a, a, a Bible history trip or a mission trip. Yeah. I, you know, that was a question that you answered it before I could get to it. Shows my uh, where I'm coming from here, uh, leading up to this. I I thought, well, if you didn't go to Israel, where would you go? Why would you go? You know, now you're saying, well, we go to the Rome, we go to the catacombs, we go, you know, we hear it. And I think, well, okay, this is where all of the people, all of the Christians who have come before me have lived and died and worked out their salvation. And it sounds inspirational to me to go stand there and say, well, here's where this happened and that happened and these people were just like me and they were, you know. Well, and not only that, but we're going to go to the tombs of saints. And again, now we've talked about this before. I think you and I have talked about relics before and the, yep. in, in another episode. And we've talked about why the Catholic Church preserves the bones of Saint so-and-so right. and this and that. Because in a sense, that, that person right? Because we believe in the totality of the human person. Right. It isn't just, well, this is a place where such and such happened. Saint so-and-so is here. Their body is still here. And, right. and that's still part of them. I mean, obviously they're, they're right now as a right. saint, you know, they're in you know, heaven while their body is here. But you and I did a whole episode, a couple of episodes recently about yeah. heaven right. and the body yeah. and all of this and death. And so, you know, as we await the resurrection, here is their body. Here mm-hmm. is, this is part of them. And when I've got, when I take people to those places, we go, we're not just saying, hey, this is super interesting. Like Paul, we think his head was uh, cut off by the Romans right over there by that tree. And then you go over here about a mile and we think that his body was buried here and such and such. And, you know, you look at and consult maps and go, well, that's very inspirational. Paul was, you know, right. so you go, no, we're going to kneel uh, before his bones. And here's St. Paul. Here is his right. body. This is his body. 
while he's in heaven. And we, in a sense, are touching that. We are right. part of that. And we are connecting. And in a sense, we are, we are in, enjoying community, fellowship right. with the saints. And so when we go on pilgrimage to the tombs of saints and to these uh, places, we are touching those places. Not we're just learning about them. Not we're just being inspired. We're actually touching them you know, physically in a sense, and connecting with them and entering into community with the saints and all those who have come before. And, be, and in a sense, because of that, with the body of Christ, the church. So that's, and that opens it up. We're, we're planning a pilgrimage uh, this fall to any of our listeners uh, in the upper Midwest here. Hmm. Uh, where we're going to go to the tombs of some American saints uh, in Wisconsin and Illinois and Michigan and, and, and sort of some Great Lakes area where there's a number of American saints and we're going to see their tombs, uh, St. Mother Cabrini and others. And we're going to go on a three-day pilgrimage. We'll have a bus and we'll pray and we'll pray the rosary and we'll go n- kneel before the tomb of St. Mother Cabrini, St. Mm-hmm. Francis Cabrini, and uh, ask, you know, for her intercession and experience that together mm-hmm. and feel like we touched a, a great saint. And with the hope and expectation that 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 will be transformational in us. Right. How, I, yeah, I feel like how could it not be? Yeah. You know, that sounds, it sounds inspirational at the very least to me. You know, the Apostle Paul stood right here. He got, he got his head cut off right here. Well, wow, he was a real guy, you know? I know it's more than that, but, but yeah. that's, yeah. you know. Yeah, and well, and, and you've, in a sense, touched him. And, right. uh, you know, some of the most profound moments in my life were in some of these spaces. Um, I'll tell a real brief story. There's a, this was before I became a Catholic, but it was the moment where I knew that I would become one. And so on the, off the west coast of Ireland, there is this island 12 miles off the westernmost point of Ireland called Skellig Michael. Mm. It is this rock pinnacle that juts out of the Atlantic Ocean. It's like this tower, rock tower. There's no flat spot on it. Uh, about 800, 900 feet out of the Atlantic, covered with puffins and seagulls yep. and... and uh, Sadly, they shot uh, a Star Wars movie there that recently, yeah. and so now Star Wars tourists are coming. But it, this is famously, it was a monastery it was built on top of these stone beehive huts. So monks lived there in the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th century, 9th century, for about 500 years. There was a community of monks that lived on the top of this rock pinnacle and you'd go out there in the middle of the Atlantic ocean and you kind of get off and you have to climb these rough carved um, stone steps, eight, 900 feet up mm-hmm. and to these wow. little beehive huts that hang out over there. At one point it was really the church on the edge of the world. It was kind of the westernmost yeah. part of Christendom. Oh, sure. And I had been in, just fascinated by this place for a very long time, had studied it, read about it and whatnot. And so I was in Ireland, uh, this was 20 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, and I felt that it was really important while I was in Ireland that we were going to be in that part of Ireland, the south, 
southwest part for a couple of days that I had to get out to this. And long, long story, it's not easy to get to because you have to take a boat. And if right. it's stormy, you can't go off that day. Right. But we were fortunate and we got to go to this and we landed and I climbed up to the top of the steps and you could see, you know, out into the Atlantic Ocean and they're surrounded by the puffins and the seagulls and the whole bit. And I sat in the, that little stone beehive hut and I don't know how to explain it, but I clearly heard God speak to me. I mean, not audibly, right. but I heard the voice of God. Right. And, and, and he basically told me that, that I had to pursue what this was about. Okay, yeah. That what he wanted me to do was to pursue what this was about. I, I don't want right. to say too much more. And I, at that moment, I knew that eventually I was on a journey that would, and maybe I didn't completely understand it, I was on a journey that would be my road to Rome and lead me to the Catholic right. Church. And so I marked the beginning of my road to Rome to the Catholic Church, oh. to sitting in that beehive hut. And and I don't attribute just learning about the beehive huts. Right, right. It was sitting inside of it and touching the lives of those right. those monks that lived there for 500 years. Which put years. you in a position to hear from God and to be transformed. Yeah. And so even though that wasn't officially a Catholic pilgrimage, it was my pre-Catholic pilgrimage that led to me to where I am yeah. today. So the notion of going on pilgrimage like this is, is I think, you know, really critical. And we're going to be leaving here uh, in a few days for the Holy Land for 10 days. And uh, we're, we're hoping to, I'm hoping to uh, lead another pilgrimage to Italy, uh, to all the, the holy sites in Italy in, in 2024. So if you're out there and you're listening and you might be intrigued uh, to have come with me and uh, it, uh, to Italy in 2024 to see all of the Catholic sites and holy sites there, uh, please write me an email um, because we're trying to compile a list of people who might be interested and I might be leading another pilgrimage there next year. Good stuff, Greg. Thank you, Ed. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.